0: Hi, everybody. Dion Major here, CEO of Insight Sales by Design as well as SalesClass.ai. And thank you for joining our podcast, Universal Sales Truths. We started this podcast to share stories and journeys of universal sales truths, meaning what was true to forge a relationship with clients in the past. Uh, it was true in the past and will be true today and will be true tomorrow. And so it's we're bringing guests to you uh, and speakers that have amazing backgrounds and experience to share pieces and parts of their journey and their stories. And we know that you will be inspired and you will learn something and hopefully get some folks to connect with as well and and um, broaden your circle in your network because that's what this life and world is all about are the human connections we make at the end of the day. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the Universal Sales Truth Podcast. And we hope to hear from you soon. And I know that you're going to leave inspired. Hi, everybody. Dion Major here, Inside Sales by Design. And I'm so excited to be joined by Sarah today and for our Universal Sales Truths podcast. You are going to love this episode. I say it every time, but it's so true. There's so much great stuff and great people with great stories and great information to share with us. And so, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks
1: so much for having me, Dion. I'm excited to be here.
0: Thank you. So we're going to dive right in. And most people that are familiar with me and Inside Sales by Design or just me in general. Like, let's let's get down to it and down to brass tacks. And so we always kind of jump right in. Um, so tell us a little bit about you, Sarah. And, you're, you're, and you and I were talking a little bit before, right? But tell us some of your story and your career progression. Sure.
1: Um, so I started in Inside Sales at IBM. Yes, I know. We both share... Uh, that passion. So I actually ended up in sales by accident. I I hate when people say that, but it really was true uh, for me. So I worked in marketing. I have a master's degree in writing and communication. Um, so I worked at a in a marketing job at a local newspaper in Pittsburgh, where I'm from. That was the first thing I did out of out of graduate school. And uh, my boss there had a connection to a woman at IBM who was a global sales executive. And so I was help, hoping that my connection with her would help me get a marketing job. And when I interviewed with her, she wanted me to take a sales job. Oh. <laughs> um, and she was so insistent that she wouldn't refer me unless I unless I tried it. Uh, so I didn't have much of a choice because I really needed to change my income. Um, and so I took the inside sales job that, fortunately, I was offered at on a team at IBM. And uh, I just fell in love with sales. And so um, I did well on that team. And I was at IBM for about two years and then went to a startup um, called Clicktail, which is now owned by a company called Content Square. Um, And then I went to LivePerson and did kind of the whole public-facing company thing. um, And now at Prometric. So I've had kind of a mix of big public company experience, uh, small startup experience, small teams inside of a big company kind of the whole um the whole gamut and I started at Prometric about a year ago as VP of business development hunting um whale accounts or what's known as you know multi-million dollar new logos so yeah it's been a fun journey so far and I'm I'm really passionate about this career and I I love it
0: yes and thank you so much for sharing that and I agree with you I think it's really interesting when people say that they've discovered sales or maybe sales as a profession has discovered them. Yeah. And so to that point, what is, what are some of your top favorite things about being a sales professional?
1: Yes, that's such a great question. So I think the number one thing for me is just every day is so different. Yeah um you know it was quite different obviously when i was traveling i was on you know i used to be on 60 or 70 plans a year in some of my jobs at startups which was really nuts um but again every day was different i was meeting new people some days i was at a conference um some days i was writing a proposal other days i was doing research and it's much the same now even with the lower degree of travel Um, I feel like I wake up, my day can be structured very differently. If it's a Monday, you know, I might be doing many more client heavy activities, whereas Friday I'm catching up on account research or doing like administrative things that I need to do internally. So that variety for me, um, just from like a, what I do nine to five perspective is so important and awesome. Um, and then I think the other thing that's, that's hard to come by in a lot of jobs is just the ability to directly impact your future. I think the variety um, of every day being different is one. And then the other thing I would just call out is like the ability to impact your future, which is hard in a traditional job where, you know, you're waiting for your performance review um, and you have to, you know, ask for a raise once a year and ask for vacation days once a year. I mean, sales is... Based on your performance. So
0: 100%. You're the only metric creative creative. Uh,
1: is the scoreboard. So that I, I am a very, very competitive person. And so I actually struggled. Um, I felt constrained in those very traditional jobs because I felt like there's nowhere for me to grow, go. You know, I wanted that growth. Um, and then I think the other thing is just the ability to really impact an organization. I mean, I can look back. at at parts of my career and say, like, I, I changed the strategy of that organization's e-commerce platform or influenced a leader to make a really, really important strategic decision. So I think, yeah, there's very few jobs where you have the opportunity to do those things.
0: I 100% agree with you on that. And I think in, in listening to you and thinking about it and, and, and having you articulate through some of that, it's, from a sales perspective, whether you're inside sales, outside sales, anytime or even marketing or whoever, right? Anytime you have a function that's integrating and talking with your customers and your constituency and getting that feedback is such a great opportunity to have real world feedback to your point, to be able yeah. to make appropriate decisions and tailor what we have to what our customers really want at the end of the day. Totally. So on the flip side of that, Sarah, there's always something we really enjoy about what we do. On the flip side, what are some things you you wish were a little bit different when it comes to sales?
1: You mean everything about sales isn't perfect and magical every single day?
0: I want to say it is. I want to <laughs> say it's a magical unicorn. But no.
1: yeah. I love that you're asking this question, by the way, Dion, because I feel like so many podcasts you get on and talk about all the wonderful things about your job, but... Sales is an extremely challenging profession. Yes. Um, In fact, one of the reasons I actually was hesitant to go into it is that um, when I was growing up, my whole childhood and most of my adult life, my dad was in sales. Um, And he's not now, you know, he's pivoted a little bit. But I saw the stress that it puts on someone um, and the, the pressure and the kind of like, self-reflection and taking things personally when clients reject you. So I was a little bit nervous to take it on as a career, even though it's got all these advantageous things that we just talked about. So I would say that the biggest challenge for me that I've worked with on coaches and I've, I've made a lot of progress, but it's still a challenge is just the emotional highs and lows of sales. Because, you know, for example, summer is a really hard time to be in sales. Yeah, It's like, your clients are away, you're trying to accelerate things. You still have the same metrics that yeah. you're on, but everybody else is going on vacation. Yeah. You know, and so you have to, to motivate yourself day in and day out. And um one of my favorite sales books, it's it's so cheesy. I guess some people don't think it's cheesy, but it's um it's the greatest salesman in the world by Og Mandino. Oh, um, which is kind of like a fable but it's it's it has these scrolls of sales at the end and so I'm I'm really into those and and can share those with anybody that that reaches out but one of them is that your your actions control your thoughts yes so even on days when you're waking up and feeling like oh, I don't want to make calls I don't yeah. want to send emails it's like you just methodically teach yourself how to do that stuff anyway because then when you start doing it 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 results in productivity, right? So like you're you're staying in motion, but I think just just getting a grip on my emotions has taken me years yes. to master. Um, I'm still not there, but I would say that's the the biggest challenge because you you want to be attached to the outcome of these things, and yet you have to withdraw to a certain point that you're able to negotiate and think about it objectively.
0: Yeah. That, Sarah, that is, again, really, really well articulated. And I 100% agree with you. Yeah. And because most people, um, not to use a broad brush, but I'm going to, right? One of the winning characteristics and traits of successful people is a competitive advantage, not being a jerk about it, but yeah. wanting to win in, in a healthy way. And... It's uh, the the phrase from Wide World of Sports, right? The the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Yeah. And man, alive when we get somebody to say yes and we win, and our company wins and our clients are excited. Every that's a moment that is so high because everybody's saying yes and and agreeing to something. And the converse is also true, where when people say no, you're like,
1: crap, it just sucks, right? It sucks.
0: The level of rejection, you're like, that just stinks, right? Because we didn't win. Yeah. So let's not be mistaken of there is a winner and there is a loser. Not everybody, you know, we are adults here. Not everybody gets a participation trophy. So that's the way the world works, right? There's only one contract to award and not everybody gets the contract, (laughs) right? I think it's
1: like, it's also like a level of grit to take that rejection because, There are also times where a client says yes, and then something happens and it's not really in your control. Yes. And then you still have to become detached and move on to the next thing. And those are, if you're somebody who's deeply passionate about what you do, that balance is really hard to strike.
0: It is. I agree with you. And I, I think to your point of processing the emotion, it's almost, there's a couple step process that we all have to take where it's like, Hey, just take a moment and enjoy enjoy the victory, right. Or process through the defeat and then what, right. Mm -hmm. And then how do we approach those situations with grace, right. To your point, when you, when you think you've got the verbal and yep, you're going to move forward and then poof, something happens. And sometimes we know what it is and sometimes we don't. Right. And then we have the opportunity to show up and be super graceful and say, wow, I really hope our paths cross again in the future.
1: (laughs) Yeah. while we're like biting our tongue and, you know, not saying all the things. Yeah. It's a, it's a challenge.
0: It is a challenge. Well, good for you. And thanks for bringing that up. Because I think, I think it's instrumental. And I think it's something that people don't always think about when they think about sales, right? They think that yeah. high flying, everything's great. And it's like, no, you know, this <laughs> is work. It's a level of work that yeah. I think a lot of people don't understand.
1: Yeah. I think it's just showing up and and you know, being there over and over and and committing to yourself. And I think you brought up a great point about like wanting to win in a healthy way. I'm still working on that, Dion. Sometimes I want to win in an unhealthy <laughs> way. Um, but yeah, just just realizing it's it is just a job. and I think there are are more there's more light being shown on like the mental health issues that can surround this type of career. So the fact that that's being talked about and, and people are resourcing around that I think is really awesome.
0: Yeah. I would agree with you on that, right? It does it takes a level of grit and resiliency to get up and be able to step into the ring, step into the fray, whatever yeah. verbiage you want to use with that and be able to go, "Hey, we're going to we're going to talk, we're going to negotiate, we're going to talk through some of these things." And it's it's mm, at the risk of being aggressive with it. There's it's verbal warfare in certain cases. Right. And so absolutely. um, And we do not live in a world that is as edgy as it used to be. Right. So um, that's probably the nicest way I can say that. So I think (laughs) we live in a world of comfort where it's like, oh, no, you don't have to wait a week or sit through commercials. You can stream things. Right. Yeah. So it's we live in a very comfortable world here and we're very Mm -hmm. blessed for it. Don't get Mm me wrong. And so, but when we have to go in and negotiate, it can throw people off a little bit. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, and you had given us a, a kind of a, an overview and arc of your career and congratulations. It sounds fascinating. Nice. As you're going through your career, you know what are some top two or three transitional moments that really stuck out for you?
1: Yeah, that is a really great question. Um, so I think you're learning every day in this type of role. So there are so many. I I, I would have to say that the the, trans, the most transformative one um, so far, at least in my career, was um, when I started working with my current um, my current one of my current managers, Sean Burke, who's our. Um, Chief Client Officer at Prometric. So when I met Sean, I was reporting to him at LivePerson, um, and I've had I've been fortunate to have a lot of good sales managers um, in my career, which is not a, a common occurrence. Okay. Um, but I never had a sales manager uh, quite like Sean. So yeah. I was on a team that was made up of very very different people. I mean, different skill sets different socioeconomic background, very different people. Um, Some of us were highly, highly competitive. So it could have easily become a culture of like dog eat dog. We're all going to be against each other and, you know, we're not going to help each other. And so watching Sean be able to create not only an environment where we helped each other, but where we wanted to be collaborative and see each other succeed is a very rare thing to achieve. Many sales managers will actually try to pit their team against each other to get more competitive you know, nature out of them. And I think Sean understands sales in a very um, deep, almost philosophical way. And I hadn't worked with someone like that before. And so I think having a manager that genuinely cared about their people and wanted our best work and like didn't settle for anything less, Um, was a very transformative experience. That's, of course, why it's true that sales reps follow managers that they really love working for, and that is definitely true for me. Um, So that was one. And then I think the other, which is not as happy, um, is that I had a very real experience with burnout. um, where And I won't go into the details, but I was so sick all of the time when I was working in one of my startup roles this was a, a while ago um and that i was kind of on this cycle constantly of antibiotics and like not sleeping and traveling all the time and just doing that like 80 hour a week grind that people in startups many thousands of people have done absolutely um and so i had a reaction to a medication and i almost died and you know went through like anaphylaxis and going to the er and like just craziness And I think at the time I couldn't see the way I was overworking myself because I was so young. It was my first experience as an AE. Um, I think women in particular have to work really hard to fit into some of these cultures. Unfortunately, it's, it's getting better, but it's tough. Like you need to come off tough all the time. You can't really show any area of weakness. Yeah. And so I just was working myself to the bone and, Fortunately, you know, a couple of months after that, I started to see like, hey, this pattern is not sustainable. Right. Um, and started to put real boundaries around my work and really look at like, what type of company do I want to be a part of? Yeah. So I felt like that learning experience, although it was really hard, I now am really passionate in talking to young people about like the effects of burnout and like, you know, being sensitive about your schedule and having boundaries around your work, um, I think is super important. And then the other I would say is um, kind of a client-facing um, uh, learning is just being in enough meeting settings where I started to see myself as more of a consultant to the client versus selling something. And this is another thing that I really like have to give credit to Sean for for teaching me because. He had a consulting background. He was able to see himself in that role. And I hadn't worked with a lot of consultants. You know, I had mostly met salespeople. So that that mental shift and being able to feel like I'm helping my client figure out this problem versus I have to go in and sell them this solution. Like just the mental shift of that um, really changed my entire sales process. And and honestly, like I don't want to say made it easier, but it just made things less, you know, you don't come off desperate when you're just trying to solve a problem. 100%. Um, and I think just, just having those experiences of shifting my perspective, which again happened over time and through coaching with many people and, and managers. Um, but but I remember being in a really specific meeting with a CEO where I changed the way I presented something and then during that same meeting, the CEO actually asked me what he should do, and yeah. that had never happened to me before, and I thought, now they finally, they actually see me as somebody who, they want my opinion, and they they want kind of like my stamp on what, what they think they should do with their technology, so that was pretty cool.
0: Those are three amazing moments, and I think, to reiterate, what I heard you say was definitely number one is leadership. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer that leadership is it all starts and ends with leadership, good or bad. And we've all had good and bad. Yeah, <laughs> and we've all been a good and bad leader. Yeah, right. And so that's kind of where the whole grace comes in that says okay. Um, but to your point too, it's as as a professional, we we get to decide where we work and who we work for yeah. and who we work with, right? So it's kind of, we have to have our own formula for, for success and what does it look like? And to your point, when you're going to go and interview, you know, what type of leader do you work well with? And so I, that is such a great example. And for those of you that don't know, Sean Berg, number one, definitely connect with Sarah and number two, (laughs) definitely connect with Sean.
1: Um,
0: Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, calling out the, the overworking and I think it it's, I'm so sorry to hear about your experience, most (laughs) importantly. uh, Thank you for sharing. And I think it's that balance at the end of the day and being able to set appropriate boundaries. It doesn't mean we don't do certain things. It simply means that here's kind of where things start and stop. And in the world of startups, there is no... It's very blurry.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so you, you have to kind of inject some certainty for yourself and your team into that. Right. And, yeah. and putting some of those boundaries in. And, and so, um, and I, and I think the, the third piece that you are talking about, and I just blanked on it. Oh my gosh. Oh, it?
1: consulting, like being a consultant versus yes. being a salesperson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: That mindset is, is amazing because it helps us emotionally detach. Connect, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. So I think there's there's so much value in everything that you're talking about in these examples you're giving, because when we can look at um, solving a problem, it's it's um, it's almost like an intellectual attachment versus an, an emotional attachment.
1: Totally. Sense. Yeah. And you yeah. can empathize with their problem whenever you're. Yeah you know, objectively trying to think about, do do I actually have the tools literally like that we're selling? Do I have the software or the solution or whatever to actually solve their real problem? And then when you look at it that way, you can tell right away when the prospect is not a fit, right? Because then you're like, well, wait, we can't really solve this problem. So it helps.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I think what you were saying there too, is so good because um I'll, I'll talk with folks and i'm sure you've heard this in your career where it's like not everybody is meant to be a customer
1: yeah and yet tons of people believe that beyond like lots of salespeople <laughs> believe everyone should be a customer oh there's my lots gosh, of salespeople
0: like that i know and so to your point is if we can approach our conversations because that's what sales is right it's a it's a yes. relationship it's a conversation and we talk about what do you have and what's going on and what are you trying to solve, right? And we have this very intellectual approach around it. It's very mm-hmm. different. And then to your point, you can say, "Gosh, you know, it sounds like," and maybe we're not the right fit. So it's uh, it's very interesting. Totally. Yeah, I love it. And so, as of today, when we think about universal sales truths, in in my humble opinion. I think there are universal sales truths, universal sales motions. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've had a variety of responses, whether it's prospecting or digital sales or being enviable, or we've had a variety of responses when it comes to universal sales truths that I, I think are just so creative and imaginative and forthright. And that's what we wanna share in our discussion today. And so for you, as of today when we when you think about universal sales truths what does that mean to you and what is that one truth for today that's kind of sticking out for you
1: yes i love the concept of universal sales truths because there are those things that are unchanging over time even as the the software changes or the career itself changes or technology changes or whatever like there's truths i think the one that has always been true for me. And I think it's true for me, like as a person in my life, it just always been like my approach to life. Um, and, and fortunately, like, I think my parents had this mindset for me too. And it really, it really helped. but it's like an abundance mindset. Yes. Like not even just in a cheesy way, like anything is possible, but literally the world is abundant and things can come to me. And as a, as a white woman, who has access to privilege, it's easier to think that, right? So there's an abundance mindset because I've had lots of opportunities and I'm, I'm able to recognize that. But I also think that anybody can come to their work and their life with a mindset that is, there are all sorts of possibilities out there for me. They are mine for the taking. I just have to figure out what steps I need to get there. I mean, There are tons of stories like this from my life, but but I've had a lot of experiences in life where I will meet someone, you know, who's like celebrity status or CEO of a company or whatever. And people's first reaction is like, why would you reach out to that person? They're not they're not going to respond to you. But the truth is, like, most people don't do those things because they believe that person will never will never respond. And I've just never had that mental Barrier. I I don't know how else to explain it. I just don't have it. I literally will call or email anyone. I'm not afraid. I will walk up to anyone and introduce myself. I don't have fear around hierarchy and status and what's for me and what's not for me. I just believe a lot of things can come to me and I just I just have to go get them and figure them out. So I feel like when you approach sales with an abundance mindset and that is your universal truth, then you will perform as such, because you believe that things are possible. And, you know, your beliefs are going to influence how you work every day and how you interact with clients. You know, people can hear the sound of a smile, even when you're on the phone. So I feel like that's a big one. Um, the other one is just like, in terms of approaching a negotiation, and this has been a harder one for me to learn, but I really think it's true, is instead of approaching it like, and I've studied negotiation a lot and done like certifications in it and things and I'm still learning, but instead of approaching it, like how can we go to the table and get what we need to get and make sure we don't give up a bunch of stuff to them, changing your approach to like, let's meet at the table and let me shut up and figure out what's important to them and just let them talk. And like, if they raise an objection or say, we don't want to pay for X, Y, Z, or we don't want a termination for convenience. Many sales reps and I, me included, I used to react like this. We get nervous and we're like, oh, now I need to go figure out how to solve for this problem versus saying, well, why are you interested in a termination for convenience? What's that about for you? Like digging, peeling the onion back and saying, what makes you ask that question? And then figuring out maybe there's something we can give that now meets their real need and we don't have to give termination for convenience. So like, again, with shifting my mindset that negotiation is not an antagonistic activity. It's mm-hmm. like we're coming together at the table to figure out the best thing for both parties. So that's another I, I think that's a universal truth, no matter what you're selling.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, Sarah. And I think I, I'm i a huge fan, and I agree with you on the abundance mindset. And I think the abundance mindset is, is the exact opposite of a fear-based mindset, right? And yeah. scarcity. And so the more we truly believe that, yeah, this is good, it may not, the outcome may not be what we want. But I think if we're afraid of something, it stops us from even trying. Yeah. And that is true failure, right? So I agree with you. And then having the mindset that says, yeah, anything is possible. Here's the work I need to do in order to, right. That's I think the other half of the coin with that. So I I love what you're saying about that and the abundant mindset and again, shoot for the, shoot for the stars, right. Or shoot for the moon land on the stars. Right. Um, And then I agree with you too, where, you know, it's, um being able to move forward and just what you're talking about is so key and and so important and i know people are getting a lot of value out of it so thank you for sharing my pleasure it's true so true what is the best way for folks to get in touch with you
1: oh i am very active on linkedin so that is always the best way um i do occasionally mentor folks or help people things so the the best um, thing to do if you send me a LinkedIn message, because I, I really get a lot of them, is yeah. to say, hey, this is why I'm looking to connect, or this is what I really would love your perspective on. Those are the best messages that I get. And it helps me figure out, you know do I have bandwidth? And is this an area of expertise that I can really help? And then I can always recommend someone else in my network if it's not a fit for me. So happy happy to connect there.
0: Love it. And it kind of goes back to the, the second truth you were talking about, which is just bring it to the table. Yeah. Right? And so I agree with you. Sometimes people get nervous around negotiation, but again, it's it's all about conversation. It's all about a relationship. It's all about seeking to understand right yeah. before we say yay yeah, or nay. Nice. So I love that. So Sarah would be, you are so amazing and thank you so much for taking the time oh, today. Thanks. So really appreciate it. And so um, I encourage everybody who's listening, connect with me, connect with Sarah. Um, we're all, you know, in the proverbial world together. So anything we can do to help each other, we're all in. Thanks for joining a, for another episode of our podcast. And make sure you subscribe so you get notice, notifications, and all that good stuff. And we will chat with you soon. Thanks, Dion. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Universal Sales Truth Podcast. Uh, Please make sure that you subscribe to our podcast so you're notified of updates. You can also find this content on the Inside Sales by Design YouTube channel. Uh, So make sure you take a look at that. It'll also be in the salesclass.ai platform for you and your teams. And please make sure to reach out and connect with myself and the speaker you heard today individually. We look forward to seeing you again soon and contact us if there's anything you specifically wanna hear or know about. Thank you so much and enjoy your day.